Hello, credit union executives. Welcome to See You on the Show, where we give you up-to-date information on how you can reduce risk, keep key talent, and take a strategic approach to your personal financial wellness. Hosted by me, Doug English, a certified financial planner and former credit union insider with ACT Advisors. My guest on today's podcast is Karen Postma. Karen is Vice President Risk Analytics at Payment Processing QSO PSCU. Karen focuses on project implementation for PSCU's strategic client base, including analytics and fraud mitigation. In this episode, we talk about online gambling, including its legality, pandemic-related growth, and why it's an area your credit union should consider exploring. Karen, welcome to see you on the show. We're delighted to have you join me today. Here to talk about the activity in online gambling. We've never talked about something like this before, so I'm quite excited to hear what you have to say. So tell me about your history in working with the credit union movement and what sort of activity you're involved in at PSCU and what PSCU does. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Doug. I really appreciate the opportunity to get to have this conversation. So I have actually been in payment processing for close to 25 years. A little under 20 of that has been in the credit union space. Prior to going to work for a QSO, I actually worked for a national credit card issuer. And I was able to gain some experience there and so forth, but then had the opportunity to work for a QSO. I'll be very honest, I didn't have a lot of experience with credit unions at the time and was pretty young in my career yet. But I quickly was able to understand the distinction between the national issuer that I worked for and you know working for credit unions. And as I had that opportunity and got to better understand that space, it, it really resonated with me personally as we look at people helping people and really trying to do what's best in our communities. And so almost 20 years later, here I am and still working with credit unions and trying to ensure that credit unions have everything they need to be successful and serve their members. And something that I think once you get in this space and you truly understand the impact that happens from a member and community perspective, it's really where you want to stay. I firmly agree. Tell me about a little bit about what uh, activity you are focused on at PSCU. Yeah, so I have had the opportunity to work at PSCU now for almost five years. I am in the risk analytics area, which is our risk and fraud management area at PSCU. At PSCU, we are a payments processor along with a digital provider for a number of credit unions throughout the United States. So we work with extremely small credit unions up to the largest credit unions in in the U.S. providing these services. Within my direct responsibility, I have the opportunity to work on the analytics and fraud mitigation. So understanding fraud at a transactional level, at a holistic level as well, putting in place measures that will prevent the transaction, but also prevent fraud that happens outside of the transaction. So in the last several years, we've seen fraud shift from that transactional environment to more of an account takeover. The fraudsters are overlaying technology. As we look at data and bots and that sort of thing, fraudsters are implementing those. So 
we're really trying to take a holistic approach to fraud prevention so that we can ensure that credit unions are have the latest and greatest technology and can not only compete in the market with some of the big banks when it comes to products and services, but also fraud prevention, because that's a key to allowing the money to stay within the credit union so they can invest. And that is the perfect handoff to talking about online gambling. So walk us through a bit about the history of online gambling becoming legal and uh, what you're seeing across the credit union movement in this uh, specialized area. Yeah. So as you said, I I think it's important that we kind of take a step back and kind of look at gambling in general in an internet space. It was back around 2006 or so that Reg GG came into play, which is the Unlawful Internet Gambling Act. At that time, yes, we used the internet, but it isn't what it was today. We didn't necessarily have a whole bunch of internet gambling transactions. And what we did see back then, a lot of it was foreign. There was preventative measures put in place in order to prevent like money laundering and all those kinds of things. And the key to that act is really the word unlawful. It was very difficult to understand what unlawful meant. So a lot of financial institutions took the broad brushes for approach. Hey, I'm just going to block all internet gambling transactions. Back then, from a classification perspective, we had one, uh, what we call merchant category code that allowed us to do that. And it was a set it and forget it kind of thing. I'm going to fast forward us to 2018. Again, lots of things have changed from a technology perspective. And the Supreme Court then ruled that it was unlawful to block internet gambling transactions in general outside the state of Nevada. And so then a number of states since then have put in place state laws that have allowed internet gambling. The thing is, is that it's very difficult to kind of understand state by state because each state is a little bit different. But in general, you have over 30 states that have already allowed internet gambling. So that supersedes some of those hesitations and regulations that we saw at the federal level. So for most credit unions, this is an issue that is either here or coming soon. Is that right? Yeah. And I would say that the kind of the tricky thing that I think maybe stumps some credit unions is a lot of the state laws only apply when you're in that state. So if you live in a state one of the seven states, there's only seven states that have not at least have some legislation in uh, flight right now or have enacted. Let's say you live in one of those states that just says, hey, we're not, we're not touching this, but it's still unlawful. If you have a member that is either living or goes on vacation or is in one of those other states, their state laws apply, not necessarily yours. So this is where it becomes very tricky, right, to manage. The great thing is the merchants that effectively have been audited and are set up to be able to conduct this, follow these rules and regulations on the back end. They can understand from your IP address and all of those kinds of things, where you're at, what the state laws are, those sort of things. So there are controls being set up at both the Visa and MasterCard level that allow us to be able to have the opportunity to comply with your state and federal laws, but also allow your members to transact. So there's been a lot of work done since 2008 in the infrastructure to allow these transactions. 
in the last couple of years, there's been a couple of changes that have happened in the world that caused us to change our behaviors a little bit. I'm not sure if that may have happened to you or not, Karen, but it certainly happened to, to me. So how has the activity in online gambling changed pre and post pandemic? So that's a very fascinating question because I think anything we talk about, we talk about in a pre-pandemic, post-pandemic kind of world. And so gambling in general is not any exception to that. And quite honestly, it's one of those areas in which we have seen a really, really big shift. And so think about it pre-pandemic. As a credit union, did you have members that went to your local casino or on vacation did gambling in a casino? I've been working with credit unions, like I said, for almost 20 years. I don't know any credit union that said, oh, nobody can necessarily gamble in a casino. From that perspective, 2020 hit, we're not going anywhere. Nobody's going to a casino. Nobody's doing anything, right? And so all of a sudden, you had these laws and rules and legislation that came into play in 2018. You're starting to build out that infrastructure for allowing internet gambling. You're not getting any gambling activity coming to casinos. And so people look to the internet, just like they did when they looked to buy their groceries, buy their clothing, buy your household cleaning supplies that were so hard to find. So they look to the internet for their entertainment as well. And so we saw a huge shift from car present and those kinds of things into a card not present internet gambling activity. So PSCU actually did a study around the level of increase. And if you compare like February of 2020, which was really right before the pandemic really hit to February of 22, in the debit space, we saw a 500% increase of internet gambling transactions. And in the credit space, a 300% increase in transactions. Wow. Yeah, it was huge. Now, I don't want to mislead anybody because the volume of it of internet gambling transactions in general is still fairly small when you look at it. In the debit space, it's about a half a percent of your overall transactions. And in the credit space is like two tenths of a percent. But it's the level of increase that we're really looking at from a trending perspective as PSEU does a lot of research from the aspect of what's up and coming, what do we need to watch out for, you know, where are those growth opportunities for our credit unions? And this is a space that we really felt was imperative to share because it's, like I said, from a volume of perspective of transactions, it's super small, but that growth gives us some insight that this might be an area we want to explore now versus later so that we can capture some of that revenue stream. Yeah, your members are doing it somewhere. Yes. So you talked about the volume. You talk a little bit about the fraud issues that I assume are, are what keeping some credit unions away from this space. Yeah, and whether it's reality or perceived is kind of a question, right? So as credit unions, not only do we want to do the best for our credit union, but we feel like there is a component of us overseeing financial wellness for our members as well. And so I think between the perception, and please hear me, there is fraud in this space, right? I'm not going to say there isn't because there's fraud everywhere, but I think there's a bigger perception of fraud 
combined with the need to protect our members from a financial wellness perspective, that has credit unions pulling back and saying, oh, this might be a little bit too risky. And again, I asked the question, prior to 2020, did you feel that in-casino transactions were, were risky or did you prevent those? And more than likely, the answer is, yeah, we felt they were kind of risky, but we had controls in place. We still allowed them to happen. Just like all of our transactions, pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, you have to look at gambling in the same manner. You're just switching the avenue in which these transactions are taking place. But when it comes to fraud, right, I do want to highlight that in a post-EMV world, our industry has done a lot of really great things to help prevent internet fraud, right? Because one of the things that we all heard as we were looking to migrate to EMV was, oh, in Europe, all of the fraud shifted from card present to card not present, right? And so that's where it exploded. So watch out for that. A lot of the things that we've done in the industry, we've overlaid technologies such as machine learning, artificial intelligence, advanced authentication in that card not present space. And so financial institutions in general are still in this kind of component. Do I enroll in these advanced authentication protocols or don't I? My advice is, yes, you do. You do it before the fraud actually comes. So you can see riskier types, and I air quote, (laughs) riskier types of transactions coming down the pipe, whether it's online gambling, it's crypto, P2P, all of those are coming down that online channel. Before it becomes a problem, take advantage of these advanced authentication avenues that we have put in place as an industry in order to get a leg up. Now, is it going to prevent all of it? No, but it creates another barrier. It creates another data point in us to capture data in order to be able to understand your member of that transaction in a much better, deeper way in order to make more intelligent decisions. Tell me about the demographics of the member that is engaging in online gambling. Honestly, it's hitting every demographic that you do, every age demographic. However, I will say the one thing that in my almost 20 years of working with credit unions that I have heard time and time again is, oh, we need to break that barrier of of appealing to the younger generation. We need to lower our average age of membership, right? And I can tell you, this is one of those areas in which It is extremely pivotal that credit unions actually take a look at this. When you start to break down those younger generation, and I would actually bucket it very large, under 50, this is going to be your age group that is going to be doing those transactions I just talked about. Probably about five years ago, if I would have said, hey, I'm buying crypto, people would have probably looked at me a little cross-eyed. Today, it's commonplace across multiple age demographics. When we break down internet gambling in particularly, yeah, you have that under 35 kind of bracket, but you still even have a fair chunk in that 35 to 50 age bracket as well. And again, part of it has to do with the shift in behavior of how we make transactions, but it also has to do with a lot of the advertising that we've seen, a lot of the merchants that have come into play. So some of the more popular merchants, which would be like DraftKings and FanDuel. We saw advertisement during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I noticed that. Right? It's commonplace. It's it's common conversation. You go on ESPN and they're sponsoring segments. 
within that realm. And so these are things that are going to appeal to that younger generation. And if you're going to have a card program and you are specifically targeting a younger generation and really wanting to break some of that millennial, even Gen Z kind of conversation, these are areas you're really going to have to consider rethinking how you think about them. Is there a lot of fintech uh, activity in and around this space, either supplementing or partnering with credit unions? Yeah, and I would definitely say from the perspective of fintechs, so that's been kind of the, the hot topic in conversation when you talk to credit unions is like, where's the major disruptors coming from and so forth. And fintech space is obviously there. I think what differentiates some credit unions from the fintechs in this space is this is the fintechs everyday life, right? They're online. They don't necessarily have branches. They're used to making decisions in a technological way versus from a credit union perspective, we're kind of still making decisions from a very reserved aspect, risk mitigation component and and that sort of thing. So fintechs are allowing these transactions right? There's no question about it. The conversation we're having around whether we should allow online gambling or not, none of the fintechs are having it. (laughs) I mean, it's just, yeah, of course, right? And so when we look at that, and we're still over here trying to make a decision or we're limiting the dollar amount, or we are limiting the fact of whether we'll even allow it, you get one chance with those younger generations. One thing that I've heard time and time again, and I've seen study after study is, In those younger generations, changing financial institutions is not that big of a deal as it used to be. I was 18 and I had to change my bank account and get new checks and do all of those kinds of things. That was a lot of work. It was easier to work through the issue than it was to uh, change financial institutions. In today's day and age, That's not necessarily the case. And quite honestly, there's the opportunity to supplement some of that transactional volume in other ways. So for instance, I have two 20-year-olds in my house and both of them have their credit union account, but they also have a Venmo card attached to their credit union account. And so I ask you, Venmo's getting the interchange on that transaction, not my credit union. So there's ways from a fintech perspective that they're going to allow those transactions if you don't. So you're going to lose out on interchange. You're going to lose out on income. And you're quite honestly losing out on that opportunity to cement that membership and that relationship by making that younger generation supplement. If uh, in listening to this interview and and thinking about uh, this space, a credit union wants to uh, begin to explore the area more, What should the next steps be? Yeah, I think it's kind of twofold. One is having the conversation internally to understand and get a good grasp of where you fit on that spectrum. Yeah, let's allow it and understand it and go forth. Or I'm not allowing it at all. Figure out where you land, but then also work with your processor like PSCU in order to better understand the opportunity for fraud mitigations that you have understand the opportunity you have to enhance that experience for your members and really get a good feel for what steps you can proactively put in place in order to allow that experience you want um, for your members. Awesome, Karen. 
Well, uh, with that, I just ask for any uh, final thoughts for the leaders of the credit union movement about uh, ways to think about online gambling as far as activities, anything uh, in the space, particularly best of breed uh, ideas. Just any any comments, uh, final comments around that? All I would say, and I feel like I've said it during this interview, but is don't shut this down. I understand that there might be some hesitation around internet gambling because of our history, because of the perceived notion of fraud and the um, perceived notion that you're, you're doing the best for your members. There's a huge market out there for these transactions and people are doing it from a, an entertainment perspective. It's not necessarily a bad avenue for members to be able to make transactions on. And so I would highly recommend that we look at being able to support these types of transactions in order to grow our portfolio and service our members in the way that they want to be serviced. Thank you so much, Karen. Appreciate your service to the credit union movement and these uh, forward-thinking ideas in uh, an important area of growth. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. That's all the insider credit union knowledge we have for this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe and share your thoughts with other credit union leaders by leaving us a review. See you next time on See You on the Show. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual security. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly.